Hi, I'm Ryan Barnes. And I'm Anakin Barnes. This is the Barnes Boys Podcast. We're both big movie fans. And we're both actors. We watch movies through different lenses. You see, my dad grew up in the 80s in a very conservative environment in California. While my son here goes to high school at a fine art school in liberal British Columbia. Each week we watch a different movie. And discuss it through the different perspectives we bring to the table. Since I've been born, CGI and quick cuts were the norm. Well, all we had were practical effects and converted theater actors. So sit back, relax, grab some popcorn, and enjoy the show. All right, so this week, or maybe not week, but this time... It's week, we do it every week. Yeah, this week. uh, This time we bring you Lethal Weapon, made in 1987, with a cast of Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, Gary Busey, and it was directed by uh, Jonathan Lynn and written by Shane Black. Uh, Two newly paired cops who are complete opposites must put aside their differences in order to catch a gang of of drug smugglers. All right, so I've got some trivia for this week, as always. Um, And a lot of this was taken from IMDb. A little bit of it was taken from my own memory, too. Um, the writer, the writer of the movie, Shane Black, he also wrote the monster squad, which, which I apologize that I failed you that I've never shown you that it was, it was think of, um, think of the Goonies, but with monsters instead of pirates. Mm. So it it was a, it was a great kids action movie. You um, know what? I might've seen it. You didn't see it with me. We're, we're. Because Wait. I know that I've 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 always wanted to show that to it's, you. Uh, it's isn't it about like these kids who, um, like the the monsters that they're terrified of are kind of like attacking them. I guess. Um, kind of, but it's the standard monsters like the mummy and the wolf, uh, werewolf, Dracula, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, I I remember you showing it to me. I don't remember ever showing that to you. I remember always wanting to. I I remember I remember seeing it with you. Okay. Cool. <laughs> well, that movie was written by Shane Black, who also wrote uh, Iron Man 3, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Do you remember that? That was the uh, detective movie with Robert Downey Jr. Nope, you didn't show me that I one. I did. I did, where he was a detective, and uh, yep, you, we watched it, and it was like uh, he was in Hollywood, or he was an actor. At the beginning of the movie, he, he was um, breaking into a thing, and then he ended up um, running from the cops and walking into an audition. And so he broke into Hollywood that way. Yes, 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 yes. It was a hilarious I remember movie that with now. Val Kilmer. And, right. Yeah. I forgot that that was uh, Robert Downey Jr. Okay. So um, so Shane Black, he, he wrote that as well, mm. uh, as well as a bunch of other movies too. Um, many of them you would be unfamiliar with. Um, let's see. Mel Gibson and Bruce Willis were both considered for each other's roles in Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. So, <laughs> so nice. that, that's interesting right there. Uh, Jackie, Jackie Swanson, who's the girl in the beginning who mm-hmm. jumped off the, the thing, she did her own stunt falling off the roof. How they did that was the landing airbag that they use in stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, Richard Donner is just a genius, but... Mm-hmm. He had that painted to look like the road, uh, like oh, wow. the road underneath with the car and everything like that. So it could be one continuous shot when she falls off and she goes down, and then it cuts right before she hits the airbag. Mm-hmm. And so 
in the angle changes to to the car, but right. uh, but it was a brilliant way to to handle that and wanting to get that one solid shot. That would be terrifying. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I read she wanted she wanted to do that on her own, and so she took <laughs> she uh, took some lessons with a stunt coordinator and and nice, very cool. Uh, let's see this. Lethal Weapon was the first movie to show a modern cell phone. If you remember, they're in the they're in the hotel room, and Murtaugh is is calling on this this old cell phone, and I don't mm. remember what the model was. It wasn't a Nokia, it wasn't a Motorola. It was something something different. Um, let's see. Murtaugh tells Riggs that Hunsecker, the girl's dad, mm-hmm. saved his life in the. Yeah, Ia Drang Valley in 1965. Right. So Mel Gibson later would play Colonel Hal Moore in We Were Soldiers, the movie We Were Soldiers in 2002, which is an adaptation of that battle. That's really interesting. It is. And um, there's another piece of that, too, that I I didn't have in the trivia. I had in my notes, Mm -hmm. but... uh, We'll, we'll go back. We'll, we'll visit okay. that in a little bit because I want to talk more about that. Um, let's see. Going back to going back to Die Hard, Bruce Willis, the prop Beretta, the gun that mm-hmm. Mel Gibson uses in the gun is in the film is the same prop gun used by Bruce Willis in Die Hard. Nice. Yes. And um, the other, this last bit of trivia is kind of funny, but to add tension between the actors. Richard Donner, the director, he told both Gary Busey and Mel Gibson that it was the other one who kept eating the last waffle. So they were always annoyed at each other for eating the last waffle, <laughs> <laughs> even though it was neither of their faults. So it's kind of funny. It's interesting. Um, yeah. So that is it for trivia. So let's uh, let's. That is definitely my favorite uh, intro jingle. Oh, yeah. Um, reminds me of like SNL or like late night comedy shows. <laughs> we or say, we say that every week. We do. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So now we are in our impressions and memories, which is what the section we started last week. So we're going to talk about the impressions that we, that we got for the first time watching it, which would be Anakin's first time, and then mm-hmm. my memories of watching it. Uh, for this particular movie. So tell tell us, tell us your audience what your impressions were. So I'm I'm gonna mention this later in some of my notes here, but um it it set a tone at the very beginning with the opening credits and then it just flipped on us. It flipped on us completely. Okay. And um yeah, it was Can you can you expand on that? Yeah, what? so um, the opening credits, uh, lighthearted Christmas music, Christmas movie, and okay. all of that, and then we uh, we go to the shot in the hotel room. I believe it was a hotel room or penthouse or whatever, mm-hmm. and um, see see the girl doing like drugs and everything, and like oh, okay, it's the eighties, <laughs> <laughs> and and then it slowly the music and the tension and the shots build up to what we later see is her jump off, uh, jump off the, uh, the building. And it, it really set the tone for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like the whole movie had, had some comedic points here and there, but it was really just 
more of a serious buddy cop movie. Right. So since you mentioned that, um, I will, I'm sorry, go, go ahead and finish with your impressions. No, so. uh, okay. Um, well, yeah, that's basically it. It, it, more serious buddy cop movie and it, it has a very interesting concept of the, the crazy cop, but then later maybe he's not a crazy cop or we're, we're left kind of unknowing. Mm -hmm. And I just really thought that was a very interesting thing. Okay. Yeah. So, um, before I go into my memories, I'll, I want to address that real quick. Mm -hmm. So there, there are four lethal weapons, and then there's a reboot of the TV show that happened a year or two ago, and then there's also they're also in talks for Lethal Weapon Five right now too. Okay. Uh, all of the other lethal weapons are more lighthearted. There's still really? there's still the action, but but you remember seeing my cousin Vinny. Mm -hmm. So Joe Pesci shows up, and then he becomes a major character in it. And oh, okay. So it's it becomes um, it becomes lighter with all of the sequels. The first hmm. one, and and I think when I when I originally pitched this idea to you, uh, I remembered the to the tone of the of the other ones more than I did the tone of the really? first one. So I remembered it being being more lighthearted, more more hmm. funny, and I'm not quite not quite a comedy like like the other guys, mm -hmm. um, but um, but a more a more lights um movie hmm. and as, as you said it was dark and this um part of part of the trivia that i that i left out was was richard donner the director had to bring in another writer because shane mm -hmm. black kept writing this movie so dark and no matter wow. how many times he he did it um it was it was still too dark and so they brought in another writer to help him out to help lighten the tone hmm. so even though even though he wrote the rest uh, Shane Black or the rest of the other the other lethal weapons right um those the this first one is it's a lot lighter than than it was going to be but also oh, as you said yeah. a lot darker mm -hmm. so um as far as memories go i remember now now there's a lot of rated r action movies from mm -hmm. the 80s that i have this exact same memory of the first time i saw it was sitting on my friend Trent's uh, couch, um, <laughs> sitting sitting there, and because his parents didn't care what what we watched, and so right. I got to I got to watch all of all of the movies over his house, and um, I thought it was cool. I kind of kind of like you when you were younger. When you were younger, there was no bad movie for you. Every movie was like, wow, that's the best movie I've ever seen. You right. see Battleship. Wow, that's the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> you see SpongeBob movie. Wow, that's the best movie I've ever seen. Right, right. <laughs> um, and it was like that. Like that for me, and um, all, all of, but all of these '80s actions, action movies, and and I remember, I remember there being funny parts in it. Mm -hmm. um, I remember um, Trent's Trent's brother laughing at stuff, and I, as a kid, I, I didn't know, I didn't get the jokes, but right, because right. because uh, it, this isn't this isn't a movie made for kids at all. But uh, but I just okay, so he's laughing, so it's funny, and I had that in my head. And then the action stuff that the the drama of the action movie I didn't understand, right? Um, but I just I loved it as a kid, and that's what I remember. And and then as I said, I remember I, just as a whole the movies together, and I remember it being more lighthearted, but a good good 
action buddy comedies was what I said. Hmm. So, um, so that is it for, for my memories for that and impressions. And, and I think that's it for your, yeah, I think that's all I really had to say. It was just, it was a very, I, it is a dark subject, but it is like, it touches on some dark subjects, but mm-hmm. it is a very interesting concept for me to see from movies in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's all I have to say really about it. All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the meat of this thing and the, our viewpoints. All righty. All right. So this is the next fun part of our podcast. This is the most interesting part I want. Most interesting. Most interesting. Um, this is our... Our viewpoints, what we we saw it throughout the movie, and we just decided to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I get yeah, I guess that's one way to describe it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let you go first this time. Okay, so um, a, a couple things to, to start off with, just from the opening credits. Richard Donner directed this, and so Richard Donner always makes a cameo appearance in the movies that he's in, mm-hmm. um, but you would have seen him from some of these other great movies that he did, that he directed, such as all four lethal weapons. He also directed the Goonies, mm-hmm. which is the best movie ever. He directed Superman one and two, the original ones, which, which from any Superman, uh, Superman fan, all agree that, uh, that, well, the first one was okay. This, but the second one, Superman two is the best mm-hmm. Superman movie ever made. Mm-hmm. Um, and then years later there was the release, the Richard Donner cut, the, the director's cut, which, which enhanced the story tremendously. Did it. And, um, and so if, if you remember back in the, back in the eighties, there, there wasn't a such thing as director's cut or anything like that. If mm-hmm. you wanted, if you wanted to watch the movie at home, it was buying the VHS and you had limited runtime on, on the right. VHS. And so with the advent of digital media, then you could add these, these extended cuts, director's cuts and things like that. We didn't, we see that with like star Wars and Indiana Jones as well. Like um, later on, not Indiana Jones, but, but star Wars, we did see, well, Lucas changes that every every three years or so. It seems he right. changes his his edits, but yeah. um, we did. Um, he also directed Maverick, which starred Mel Gibson. Do you remember that one? It was the cowboy movie. Um, he was the poker player. Yes, 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 yes. And Danny Danny Glover had a cameo in that one mm-hmm. where he's robbing the bank at the beginning, and then he says, "I'm too old for this," just like he says in the movie. So it was, oh, kind, okay. it was kind of fun. Nice. Um, and he also directed a movie that you haven't seen that I realized that you would probably really like, which is called Timeline. Timeline. It's a Michael Crichton book. Uh, Michael Crichton wrote Jurassic Park. Okay. And uh, Timelines, which stars uh, Paul Walker, who's another one of your favorites. Oh, Paul Walker. Haven't so. really seen him in much others. Yeah, um, it would be something something for us to watch on one of our Friday night movie nights or something, or mm. just hanging out because yeah. who knows if the girls would be interested in this at all. Right, right. Um, let's see. The As you mentioned earlier, this mm-hmm. movie opens with Jingle Bell Rock, which then makes this action movie officially a... It's a Christmas movie. It is that a is Christmas movie. That is my first movie. point in my book. <laughs> it's a Christmas movie, just like Die Hard and Home Alone are a Christmas exactly, movie. Exactly, exactly. So... 
Um, now I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead. I'm not sure where your notes. Right. Um, and some of the other things, um, like I said earlier is you're, you think it's going to be a happy movie, lighthearted buddy cop movie, but then it, like I said, it does a full 180. Sure. With, um, with trying to figure out the phrasing here, um, with the, uh, with the, I'm blanking on the words. Uh, with the multiple suicide mentions and the multiple like scares, I guess the dark tone, the very dark tone, yeah, sure. Um, and like I said earlier, it really sets the tone. <laughs> yes, it does, and it sets that tone as dark. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, I I felt very nostalgic with with the opening scene right after we got got through that uh, that opening scene. Mm-hmm. Um, you have this helicopter flyover of L.A. and and I've flown over that in airplanes a few times, mm-hmm. but but I, I recognize recognize that city from being up on the hills, the Griffith Park Observatory, being in some skyscrapers, just being around wow. that area, and I get so nostalgic nowadays. Anytime that we watch a movie or TV show where they're flying over LA, or mm-hmm. you have any sort of shot of LA, Orange County, Southern California, anywhere, right? That that kind of reminds me of something that happened today. We were doing some tech design in our theater tech class mm-hmm. and doing sound design, and somebody wanted to put into QLab the Indiana Jones theme song. Okay. The way that the uh, the other group was playing with the lights and I was on stage, I really felt that I was in <laughs> in Disneyland, and it just it was very nostalgic for me. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I, I did a short video as Indiana Jones for as Tennessee Jones we called it. Uh, did mm-hmm. I ever show that to you? This, I don't think you did. My my friend Steve and I we um we did this this video for for a girl that he liked and mm-hmm. and it, it, I got to be the star as Indiana Jones. So it was a lot of fun. Nice. He ended up marrying her and they've been married for years now. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here the uh, the score. Was blues? Did you did you pick up on that? After we get past the jingle bell rock, and after we get past that that orchestral string, yes, intro. I did. I did realize that with the with the saxophone mm-hmm. and all of that fun stuff. It's it's very very much part of of the old detective and old cop shows mm-hmm. and movies uh, for years, and it's just that 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 bluesy of course it's always raining at night kind right. of thing and it gave it a very classic feel and i, I miss that I, I miss those those blues movies uh yeah. or that that's the sound and the, the feel that that gives like the noir detective film exactly yeah. exactly yeah I, I, we should have had somebody narrating over the top of this like <laughs> it was a dark night and the dame was at the door and right. <laughs> um something that i have like Jumping ahead after that whole exchange mm-hmm. is um, uh, what's his the dad's birthday? I forget his name. Murtaugh. Murtaugh. Uh, Mur- Murtaugh. 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 Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, after his kids sing him happy birthday, and uh, one of his daughter's friends just walk into the house, <laughs> grab bacon from the counter, and then just. I, that's so rude. I've it, been taught to not do that. 
you have, but some people do that. Some people feel feel that level of comfort. Right. Like um like Pam. Pam would come over come over to oh, her. Yeah. She she would do that. She wouldn't think anything of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some some people are like that. I, I I was laughing when we were watching this and and you were you were just taken aback by that. <laughs> I was baffled. <laughs> That's so rude. You don't um, just walk into someone's house, leave the door open, take their bacon, right, and walk upstairs like it's nothing, right? They didn't even take their shoes off, right? <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, let's see. One, uh, I don't know if you picked up on this, but there were there were talks of both Riggs and Murtaugh being Vietnam vets. Mm-hmm. Um, they they were both in the war and and they had uh, PTSD. Um, so that was still a thing in the eighties. Right. It was it was a close enough timeline where, mm-hmm. where somebody um somebody that's that's forty years old in, in eighty five could have could have very much been part of the Vietnam War. Now Riggs's character, I don't know how old his character was supposed to be, but Mel Gibson himself was only thirty filming this in nineteen eighty seven. Right. So he would he would have been a little too young to have been in been in the war in that war. It was over in 73, 74, okay. I think, which which would have put him at 15, 16 years old. Um, yeah. I, I don't know the year exactly, but I know it was it was before I was born in 76. Mm-hmm. So um but um but yeah, that was that was still that was still a thing where where people not it's not just not just Old uh, old men who you think of as, as veterans and retirees that right. that had been through this. It's it's people that um, people my age now and, and younger that mm-hmm. that were really struggling with the the aftermath and the the effects that that war that that war had. And it was one of the one of the worst times for American soldiers to to be in a war because of the the emotional and traumatic stress that, that mm. happened. Um, we're not going to go in it. We, I can talk for hours about that. Right. But, um, but that was a real thing for this time period. And yeah. Um, just quickly, I've noticed that with movies and TV shows that I've seen that take place around that time period, it, it seems to have affect, um, affected those veterans different um like both of them both sets of veterans from the world wars and the vietnam war mm-hmm. came back with terrible ptsd but it's for, for some reason to me it seemed like the vietnam veterans it hit them but slightly differently the only the only movie i guess that, that you've seen was <coughs> excuse me it was good morning vietnam right uh, that dealt with that time period and that that war but there there are some other movies that that are really good as in as far as dealing into dealing with the psyche and, and some of the extremes we'll, um, we'll probably not for a podcast or maybe we will, but, uh, but we'll mm-hmm. watch apocalypse now, which is one of the, one of the better known Vietnam war movies right. um, out there. But there, there's a, there's a lot of them, but um, like I said, we could talk for hours about that. So let's, we'll, we'll talk about that off offline and just right. go back into the movie now. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, Mel Gibson at the time was a big star. Um, mm-hmm. he, he became a big star in, in the eighties and, and it kept on through, through the nineties and, uh, almost to the two thousands. And he, he was in a, a lot of, a lot of big movies. Um, he was in Braveheart. He was in, uh, yes. And he also directed Braveheart, Passion of the Christ, uh, Hacksaw Ridge. Um, mm-hmm. 
but he did those, um, or he did, he did, I, I'm not sure the timeline. I know Hackshaw Ridge was after the fact, but, but, uh, maybe before the fact he had uh, some issues with public drunken outbursts, some, mm. a lot of uh, screaming anti-Semitic remarks, like the, the, the Jews are the cause of all the problems of the world. And this is a guy that works in Hollywood. So that doesn't make any sense at all. Right. It really, it, it really, and that was the fallout is his career took a huge hit for, oh, wow. for one, maybe two decades on that, um, because of, because of that. Um, but he, there was some, there was some, a lot of, uh, or there were allegations of physical abuse. Um, and it took a while for that stuff to be forgotten wow. and for him to go back to work. But now he's, he's back and he's working and doing new movies and, hmm. and things like that. But he's, he was, he was a really big actor and he's become a really great director as well. Um, something that I have is we're 15 minutes into the movie and we already have, um, we already have the suicide, one very violent gunfight, and then another suicide scare with Mel, uh, Mel Gibson's character. Okay. And like touching again on that very dark tone that was set at the beginning of the movie. Right. Um, but yeah, it. I don't know. It's just a lot to take in. It is, you know, it is. It, the movies, the movies, much more in depth as you get older and you can understand more of what's going on than mm-hmm. it would be, say, when I first watched it at eleven, twelve years old, or, or however, uh, being being young. Maybe I was a little bit older than that, but not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I didn't get that, and and you're you're watching that now for the first time, being being older and being able to absorb all of these things. Yeah. So during that same time period that you're talking about, that um, that uh, I wouldn't say attempted suicide, but that 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 thought of of suicide during that scene, mm-hmm. something that that was on the TV was a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Um, yeah. And I don't remember if the screen was shown, but but you could hear the audio the whole time. And Warner Brothers, who who made this movie, mm-hmm. um, they own the rights to Bugs Bunny. Right, right. They and they Warner Brothers is is such a um, is in such a good standing now, like, kind of like Disney Disney is, mm-hmm. because they have this huge catalog of properties, um, intellectual properties, um, whether it's it's characters bugs bunny characters or dc characters or or whatever but also they're also a music publisher and so that's why if you ever watch any of the the wb shows like green arrow or mm-hmm. or it, whatever whatever's on the wb yeah. they have they always have such great soundtracks because right. they have access to all of the wb the warner brothers catalog that's huge mm, yeah um yeah, and with with that Bugs Bunny cartoon, it's it, um, it adds a very subtle like, this is, um, it, it makes it even. I don't want to say realistic, but it makes it slightly darker, and it just it ma- does it, that contrast. It yeah, um, with with watching movies, um, unlike a lot of people, I don't look at the story; I look at the shots, the mm-hmm. directing choices, the acting choices, 
I look at everything that makes that movie what it is, which is why I love Tarantino movies so much. Right, right. And I, I, I similar. I mean, we as we talked about in the introduction, both being actors, and and we've we've both been behind the camera as mm-hmm. well for things. And so I, I've had this this habit, and I've had it for years, um, where I would I would get a mo- new movie if I bought a DVD, and I would watch the movie, and then I would go back immediately afterwards and watch it again with the commentaries turned on, and hear mm-hmm. how they listen to how they made the shots, what they were doing, what was happening behind the scenes, right. and uh, I always found that interesting. Um, your mother didn't appreciate that so much. <laughs> oh well, saying, so, you know, "Why are you watching this?" Um, did you notice that the psychiatrist in there, she's being made fun of, like, like he's feeling schmealings kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that was another big thing of the eighties is the, um, the perception, I guess, of, of mental health was very different than it is now. Right. And if you have, if you're having any sort of mental problems, emotional problems, and you need some, some sort of help, and you're you were viewed as very very weak and very very fragile, and so in a in a situation or a scenario like like this where it's a, it's a police station, an LA mm-hmm. police station, for somebody to have that bit of fragility, um, mm-hmm. it's it's a huge deal and just make fun of them, and so therefore the the person who would deal with those things, the psychiatrist, just gets made fun of and she gets she yeah. gets harped on. Uh, that's something that I've realized with more of these. Um, uh, slightly more dated movies um, with uh, not looking at movies that are made now, but starting from like 2004 and earlier, it I've seen that whenever there's mention of uh, of a man having to go see a psychiatrist or mm-hmm. a shrink or whatever, they um they don't want to because there's that bit of pride there that, um, that since you mentioned it now helps me realize that those times were different and you were made fun of for having to be able, uh, or having to go see a psychiatrist. So they lose a bit of their pride when they have to admit that they have to do that. It was a very negative stigma. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yes, you, you, you don't, you don't admit to it. You don't admit to go and seeing a shrink, psychiatrist, whatever. Right. Don't, don't admit to need, needing some help with your feelings. It was, yeah. it was perceived as, as weak. Which is very different nowadays. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's personally, I'm very open about going to see my counselor, my therapist, and mm-hmm. all of my friends are very open about all of that because it's, it's very normal for us to talk about that kind of stuff. It seems like each each week in each episode we talk about how our society has evolved right. a little bit, and so yeah. this is a, this is one of those things that, that we've evolved on and we've mm-hmm. changed is, is acknowledging that mental health is real. Yeah, um, and, and on your podcast, little plug here, mm-hmm. your podcast six out of ten, um, six slash. 10, uh, that, that, uh, that you do with, with your friend Austin, um, you've, you've talked a little bit about, about mental health and a little bit about awareness. Right. Um, and so, so that's something that, that does come up, but, but I think you, you have in a way of, um, especially about, about being, 
being aware or acknowledging the the troubles that other people have had, whether yeah. whether it's females or or the BLM movement, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, um, right. and and the the fallouts that that having that that oppression has on one's mental health. Right. So yeah. Um, what she had, what she had taken, the, the, the girl had jumped off the roof. She had poison mixed into her barbiturates. Now I know you don't know what barbiturates are. Uh, barbiturates and quaaludes were a big drug of the eighties. They were Mm. like a, like a depressant, like a, like a Xanax, like, uh, like make you feel chill and and all that. But it was, they were huge. They were, they were prescription drugs in the, in the eighties. And, and I think all uh, I think all barbiturates were banned, but quaaludes were banned after that because it was such mm. a huge, huge drug problem. I didn't know that. I was I was pretty young in the '80s, right. but I know that now. But um, but because I was a bit of a plot line, I I wanted to explain that to you because yeah. I think you're going to see that in other '80s movies uh, if we keep watching '80s movies and and wanted to see or so you would understand what that was. Hmm. Now, when uh, you, did you have more notes there to catch us up? Um, uh, something I want to add is uh, the concept of a of a crazy cop, a um, very uh, lot lots of mental mental health issues mm-hmm. with with a cop and being very open and aware about that, but also his only, the concept of his only, um, like, I like the only thing that calms him down is being a cop and getting into those gunfights and mm-hmm. killing, which is a very, very interesting concept that I picked up on. And I was, I was very shocked to see that it was. It was very interesting. I I loved that. It was, like I said, it's very it's a very interesting concept. Sure. So, as as you know, I was in the army. Spent some time in the army, mm-hmm. and uh, I also know a lot of uh, I know a lot of cops, and and I know a lot of people who are connected to cops, and there are. There are people who who join the these these positions, I guess, or these these jobs, these organizations, for a variety of reasons. But what a lot, what what you see very common, is someone someone joining this because they want the power. They mm. they want to they want to be able to to. Um, have authority over people and be in control of people and, mm-hmm. and, uh, or some that just want to hurt people or some that just want the okay. action and, and just, uh, just treat life like a video game. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that, I mean, we saw it on screen, but, but the, these are real personalities that you see and there. Yeah. I, I personally know people like, like that or knew people like that, that, yeah. that just wanted that power and just wanted to, to be able to to control others and and uh, if you're well if I'm a if I'm a cop then I don't have to uh, have to answer to anybody and I can get away with being whoever I want so mm. um, but they, it's it's like that in all they're all jobs all right. positions any yeah. any position of authority will have people like that in as mm-hmm. well um, 
when they were walking outside, they walked past, and I don't think you noticed this, but they they walked past a movie theater and Lost Boys was playing. It's uh, it was a new movie coming out. Now the Lost Boys is a is a nineteen eighties teenage vampire movie, and probably it recognizes one of the best vampire movies ever. It, it was done really, really well. Hmm. It, it's a little bit... Da- I, I actually think you would like it. Uh, both the Corys were in it, Corey Feldman, Corey Haim. Um, and um, and the... Uh, it was all filmed in Santa Cruz, so... And it also... It, the, the soundtrack to you might be a little dated, but you do like 80s music, but the soundtrack mm-hmm. was, was just spot-on amazing. Um, um, so... Maybe we'll watch that too. There's just so many good movies There's out so there. So many movies out there. Um, but um, but that was that was playing a little nod to that because Richard Donner had worked on that movie as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I, that I noticed from the time, and and I do have I do have like another half page of notes. I'm not sure where you are in your notes here. I'm just about done too. Okay, so. Um, the, there, the lack of traffic on the LA freeways in the eighties. <laughs> it was, it was just beautiful. It was, it was so beautiful. Yeah, I know nothing but LA traffic. Like a lot of people um, up here, they're like, uh, I ask, oh, where's that? And they're like, oh, it's about uh, this many miles or kilometers away. But in being raised in California, we know to say, oh, it's about half an hour to two hours away. Right, right. You don't give, you don't give. You measurements. Don't give distance in 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 measurements of distance. It's, it's right. distance and measurements of time, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the things that Riggs said, um, he was making he was making a joke, but he said, "Lifestyle of the rich and shameless." Did you hear that? I I didn't catch whatever you caught okay. on it. So I caught that because we had talked about that in Police Academy about that the that TV show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, where uh, where at the beginning with Kim Cattrall's character when they're in the limo and mm-hmm. and we had we had talked about how um, oh right that, yeah. that show takes you behind the scenes into yeah. into celebrities yachts and things like that. Um, and that was a big thing in the '80s, but I thought it was interesting that it popped up here because it also um, Probst also mentioned it in the last episode of Survivor that we watched. He, he brought up that. lifestyles of the rich and famous as well, so I, I thought it was kind of funny because yeah. it, it keeps showing up. Like in the last two weeks, we've 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 heard it three times, and I haven't heard it referenced for for about twenty years before that. <laughs> so, I didn't. Um, I didn't catch any of that. I didn't. I didn't make those connections like you did. Um, the the uh, heard the phrase a lot, um, which told me that it, it's going to be a very common phrase in this f- franchise. I would okay. say since it's more more than three movies, um, is I'm too old for this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I've heard that a couple times in other movies. I think. Um, it yeah. all and it's all it's all started with lethal, lethal weapon and then it's it's a phrase and he uses it throughout the other throughout all the lethal weapon movies and then like I said it um, he uses that line too in right. with his cameo in Maverick as well mm-hmm. so yes this is where it all started yeah um, they they're at some point in the movie they they started talking about how they um, since a, since uh, Riggs. Uh, 
is doing all this killing, they have to they could register as a as a lethal weapon. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down roll credits because there's a uh, like a YouTube series I watched that it's called uh, Cinema Sins. I think it's done by Screen Rant. Okay, and um, they they go through movies and it's like everything wrong with this, and then it has this like little uh, like counter of how many things like were wrong right, with sure. it. And whenever they say that. Whenever they say the name of the movie in uh, in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, he goes roll credits. It's it's a joke with some sure some of my friends. But it's that's funny. that's not fair though because sometimes the title is taken from a phrase in the movie. Well, yeah, but it's it's funny, right? No, yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. Um, and then let's see, couple a couple of notes here, Murtaugh. He had a huge house in L.A. for a cop. There's no way a cop salary in, in L.A. could afford a house like that. I, you would think that, but looking at cop salaries, mm-hmm. they're quite big. They're quite big salaries. Well, it depends on it depends on the area, and right. uh, and I I don't know about up here, but but in in. You're paid a livable uh, livable wage, but mm-hmm. it's not. I mean, he he had a huge, huge three thousand square foot house right. in yeah. in a suburb, and that, there's no way, there's absolutely no way. I mean, that's fair, but it's L.A. as a cop, anyway. Right. Um, that makes me think what his wife does for work. Right. Right. So a, a little bit of culture difference here. Mm-hmm. Um, when when they were trying to figure out what happened to Amanda, the girl that died in the beginning. Um, Someone suggested that Roxy, the the prostitute, was sleeping with Amanda. And Rig, did you catch this? Rig said, "Well, it's possible, disgusting, but possible." Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, complete shift in 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 culture. Yeah. Um, and and again, weird because weird that you, they'd get that through being number one that the movie being set in L.A. Mm-hmm. but being a Hollywood movie too. Right. So, um, that's definitely a mark of the times. Right. So one of the uh, one of the plot points on here was from was from, uh, we should we should preface this podcast saying it's full of spoilers if you haven't seen the movie. Well, if they come into <laughs> right. this podcast knowing that it's about movies, they kind of have to know that it's right. going to be spoilers. Right. Uh, the, so the plot of the movie was smuggling was smuggling drugs mm-hmm. and and that it's happened since Vietnam. Um, and they referenced Air America, which is something that actually that actually happened, where heroin smuggling was it was a heroin smug heroin smuggling operation done by the CIA hmm. uh, in Vietnam. So there was a movie made about it mm-hmm. called Air America, mm-hmm. starring Mel Gibson mm-hmm. and a run and a young Ron Robert Downey Jr. Nice. So. <laughs> So he's he's tied into this this plot line, this story in two different ways. That, um, I guess that leaves room for many fan theory universe type things. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, while we're while we're watching this, and they're they're going through L.A. the different parts of L.A. and, and rattling off all of these city names, um, I realize now that I I didn't realize. Um, as a, as a kid or or a teenager, even a young adult, mm-hmm. it's like, oh yeah, that city, I know where that is. I, it it was just all familiar to me. I didn't realize that 
that for most of the world, right. they would have no point of reference as to where these places were. That's that. I think that's what leads them to be like, oh, I live in California. Oh, is that near LA? Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everything has palm trees and a beach, every city in California. Yeah. So <laughs> I would tell them, no, it's, it's more, it's about three hours North of LA. Oh, so like San Francisco. No, yeah. it's in the middle. California. It, look, if you picture a map of America in your head, California takes up, I would say about three fifths of, uh, of the Western coast. It yeah. is, it is a huge state. And, um, so it, it's, it's a lot bigger than a lot of people give it credit for. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the, one of the questions, I have two more notes here. Mm-hmm. One of them was, why do bad guys always wear suits? This is not a riddle, but it makes me want to stay away from a life of crime purely for comfort reasons. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fair. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Really. In order to live a life of crime, you have to be very well dressed. In order to be a good cop, you have to just wear casual wear. Exactly. <laughs> Um, my last note, and I don't know how many notes you have, but mm-hmm. my, my last note was on the final battle scene. Yeah. So they're, they're standing outside in the big desert in Victorville and, uh, which is San Bernardino County. For those of you don't, that don't know, big open dry area. There are some mountains there and everything, but, uh, right. but there's a lot of big desert. Um, but Murtaugh's holding this tiny little grenade and there's about six cars there over over a huge a huge distance, I would say, gosh, I, I I couldn't even I couldn't even estimate how how big, but it was a huge huge area, mm-hmm. and he had one grenade, and everybody got afraid because he was threatening him with this one grenade, and it just turned into this big tension, and it's hilarious. I've thrown grenades, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it, it would not do enough damage for everybody to be scared like especially, that. I thought that was funny, especially like one of the round grenades, um, like. Mm-hmm. The older yeah, round it's the yeah, it the the for those of you who don't know how grenades work, when they blow up the the explosion itself isn't what kills you. It's the shrapnel that flies into you, right? And so the the more modernized ones have the little divots, kind of like the waffle board style, where when those break off, they break off into bigger chunks and or mm-hmm. they're more lethal, right? So there's no way that grenade would have made a huge explosion. Right. And, um, and as far as, as far as the shock that would, that would matter, it, you'd have to be in an enclosed space yeah. you know, with that open. It just goes every, anyway, yeah, it's funny. That was my last note. There wasn't, it wasn't a big one. It was just a little funny. Yeah. Uh, my last note here is the big twist at the end. Is he crazy? Is he not? Who knows? Who knows? And if you keep that tension, then you can keep making sequels about this thing. Right. Like three or four more. Three or four more. Maybe even a reboot. So that is it for viewpoints. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we can we can take a break. Yeah. Now. Stick around, and we're gonna we're gonna finish this up in just a sec here with our closing. All righty. That's it. Thanks for listening to The Barnes Boys. If you have any thoughts or memories about this movie or have a movie suggestion for us, you can tweet us at BarnesBoysCA. Again, at BarnesBoysCA. Now, tune in next week as we flip it around a bit, and we're going to bring you one of Anakin's movies, Nerve. Our theme music is 
written by Ryan M. Barnes. You can visit him at www.silvertooth.org. Have a great week.